Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. He's unpredictable. He's relentless. He's fearless. He's smart. He's a jerk. Oh, man, what a jerk. How would you describe Kirk Minahan? He's talented. He's blunt. He's complicated. He's the fakest tough guy I know. He's honest. A self-proclaimed weenie. He's angry. He's actually a good guy. He's a psycho big-mouth prick. I wish we had more Kirk Minahans. How would you describe Kirk Minahan? Combustible. Unpredictable. Venomous. Chesty. Obnoxious. Selfish. Polarizing. Pompous. Enough about me. Let's get to the show. It's Kirk Minahan's Enough About Me. Richard Deitch is the media critic for Sports Illustrated, also a longtime critic of the Dennis and Callahan show, featuring me, Kirk Minahan. We've gone back and forth over the years, and we went at it again on Twitter recently over Chris Mortensen breaking the news about Peyton Manning's retirement on Twitter. So I called you on Saturday on Twitter. I called you a pandering fool. Would you think? Would you agree at least that's probably about 50% accurate? First of, all, first of all, I appreciate being on the podcast. I, can, before I answer that, can I ask where I rank on the Minahan enemies list on uh, you're, scale? No, like you're, Bar, Bart Hubbick you're to low, your immediate you're, family? You're, you're, you're low. You're, 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 I'm you're, low. Okay. Yeah, I mean, nothing's – I think we've, we've really had – the thing on Saturday was, was spirited. I guess by the time this comes out, it'll be about a week and a half old. The, right. thing, on, the thing on Saturday was spirited only because you came out firing. and I think your tweet was uh, – what was it? It was um, – you yeah, I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy to explain. For, I, I just like ahead. the idea of you and Kenny Bunkport, like writing down Hubbock, Tangway, oh, you're Butcher, very, you're Rich. Very, you're very into, you're very, where, you're in, but you're I in New York, the, right? Uh, well, I'm in New York, but you, my, half of my family is from Massachusetts, so my wife's family. So right. I have relatives in Norwood, Rentham, Plymouth, Matamet. So I'm a huge Boston sports guy. Whenever I'm on with that part of the family, I'm listening to EEI, I read the Globe all the time. So. Right. So I'm in. Plus, I'm just a media nerd, so I'm into it. All right, that said, listen, some of what you have to say is true. I will – not that I'm a pandering fool, but that I, I – it was fair to call me out on one aspect of this. So I'll – here's my take uh, can on I read this. The, can, I read the, can I read the tweet real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Please, right, please. It's Absolutely. At, it's at Richard I just call you – well, it looks like – you must get called Deitch all the time. All the time. Okay, so I'm not mangling it purposely. At Richard Deitch. My feed is an odd mix of sports media staffers happy to see Chris Mortensen's byline right. and Mortensen being ripped by Boston sports radio hosts. To that, I would call bullshit. I did not rip uh, Chris Mortensen at all. My, my argument would be, and you, you're certainly going to volley back, which is good. My right. argument was that Mortensen over the years has cultivated a positive relationship with the Mannings, which I don't think he'd deny, and it paid off when the big story came, which, by the way, your colleague Peter King basically wrote the same thing two days later. Right. Okay, listen. The irony of all this is I'm going to agree with you that if you want to call Chris Mortensen in Man- in the Manning family's pocket, I- I'm actually with you. He is tight with Archie. Archie is a guy who actively courts the media and has for years, as has Peyton a little bit. And there is no doubt whether it's Mortensen, Peter King, the guys who are the big access guys in the league, I think the Mannings have 
brilliantly cultivated those guys. Regarding this particular tweet, and again, if I could, if, if I, could I, I would have tweaked my language just so me and you did not have to volley on this. I've, since I interviewed Chris, the great Chris Curtis for my podcast, oh, Jesus. I've, been, I've been following Dennis and Callahan. Right. So I get the Dennis and Callahan tweets. So the first thing I see from Callahan is Jerry Callahan right again, and it's in relation to Mortensen breaking this. Mm-hmm. Then I get a Kirk Minahan retweet, loyalty pays off for Mort. Yeah, because you, so, you, know, you don't follow me. You follow Chris Curtis, you don't follow me on Twitter? Yeah, that's how I get to, that's how I get my Minahan Christ. stuff through Chris Curtis. Okay, go so ahead. I, see, I see that, and I'm like, oh, these guys are just totally calling out Mortensen as a Manning toady, while the rest of my feed is like Schefter and King and everybody else saying great to have Mort back. He's doing he's battling cancer. Great to see his byline. Which it is. So I, I, my, but but I think what you're you're implying is that I don't think it's great that he's you know filing something while he's battling cancer. I don't listen. I think Mortensen totally screwed the pooch. I think he gave birth to the flake gate. But I want I don't. You, I know, agree. you think I want yeah, the guy? To, you think I want the guy to die? I mean I'm, no, I'm happy with these. No, I don't think I even for you. Oh, I don't up. think you want cancer I do on not. anybody. But So here's what I would say. I should have been 100% more specific, and I really was sort of just trying to be funny, and I get that it was not fair for anybody to misread somehow that every Boston sports talk host was blasting Morrison, which was not the case. So if I had to do it again, I, you're totally right on this. I would have changed my language, and I just would have said – Something defective. So half my feed is Mortensen being praised, and then I have the Dennis and Callahan guys saying Mort was rewarded for his loyalty. Had I done that, me and you would not have gone back and forth. There would have been no issue. So on that sense, I think it's I think it's fair to take the shot at me there. My my language should have and could have been better. Right, I'm apo- cool with that. Apology accepted. That's fine. You all fell right. on the sword. I don't. All right. There, I, you I, go. there was an apology in there somewhere. Don't worry about it. I'll edit it and put an apo- right. up an apology in there. Will, but will, but will, one thing, one, I will say this: I, I did. I, I, as you as you know, your reputation in Boston precedes you. I don't so know. So I talked to I, I talked to I talked to people who I knew in the market mm-hmm. prior to you know. Obviously, I've, I listened to the McDonough podcast, which I thought was terrific. I listened to Shaughnessy, tension filled but very good. I know you got Schilling coming up. Yeah. So I talked to my buddy Trenny Kusineric. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what, what's the, I mean, should I be prepared for a guy who's going to be a total asshole coming at me? And to my surprise, she's like, I like Kirk. He's he's actually always been good to me. He's a smart guy, and I think you'll enjoy it. We get along great. So, now, so I'm, throw, I'm now thrown off because I came in thinking this is uh, – this is going to be Triple H, Dean Ambrose. And now, honestly, I don't, I don't know what to expect. Well, you think – I think you think because of the national perception, which we can get to in a second, that I'm some misogynistic asshole. It's not true. If, if I think somebody's smart and I respect them, I treat them well. If I don't respect them or if they treat me like shit, I'm not going to be nice to them. One second because we'll get to all that in, in, in like 30 seconds. But the one part of that tweet thing back and forth is I would say, and you can disagree or agree, the big part of what you do is sort of – you can maybe phrase it better for me, but to sort of push forward women in broadcasting, you probably don't think they get a fair enough shake, and I think that's that's okay. So when Peter King, your colleague, is doing a smear piece on Jamie Notright with Robert Klemko earlier in the week, I feel like if that wasn't Sports Illustrated, if that was somebody else, you'd be going after them, fair or unfair. No, I would say not unfair, but let me provide some context on that. Okay. First off, you are absolutely right in that I I treat my Sports Illustrated colleagues differently than I do everybody else. I don't cover SI when it comes to media, nor should you want me to. I've worked here since grad school. But SI, but SI doesn't have an ombudsman, though, right? They should. I agree. I agree. I'll nominate Jerry Callahan for the ombudsman. I know he's, <laughs> he's, he's doing the job anyway. Might as well pay True. the guy for it. Right. Um, so uh, 
we absolutely should be covered. I have no problems with you criticizing those guys. I should not be the one to cover them. I'm paid by them, and I work here. I work for Peter King's website. It, it's like it's beyond conflict of interest. All that said, I didn't particularly love that Greg Johnson story at all. Would I have ran it? Probably because they went to every source from Saxon to Northright to yeah, but she can't, but she can't talk legally. She can't talk about it. But you you you. The but implication, you say, but, but the implication you go, but, from but, you is that Clem to me. The implication from you somehow is that Klemko is doing Archie Manning's work. Why would Robert Klemko, who has no connection to the Mannings, he's a 27-year-old guy, he hasn't been covering the league forever. Peyton Manning's retiring. Why does this guy have to do Archie and Peyton's bidding? Klemko doesn't get anything out of that. My issue with you on this is. There's not a conspiracy theory left and right. Again, I don't think I, – I believe Malcolm Saxon far more than I believe Greg Johnson. Greg Johnson and me came out of the woodwork. I don't love the fact that it was the Manning family that tipped off the MMQB on that. But if you look at the initial piece and then even the second piece that King uh, that Klemko ran within King's larger column, at least those guys are putting out there saying, hey, we've heard your concerns. We know you think this is kind of an inside job. We, here's all the people we've talked to. And now you, you, the reader, make your decision. I think at least, you know, at least they're not sort of flag waving for Peyton the way you guys have highlighted all the tweets. Hey, way to go, number eighteen, and stuff like that. At least Klemko's putting all the different sides out there. No, although Peter King, you know, retweeted Bob Kravitz's column, which is vomitous. Uh, listen, I know you're going to be surprised. I know you're going to be surprised at this. The and you know I cover. You know yes. I hate this when ESPN does it. I hate the mythology, the mythologizing of. Broadcasters, I hate the mythologizing of athletes. I'm with you when 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 people who supposedly cover Peyton Manning are are fetting him like he's Moses coming down the mountain. It's embarrassing for the profession. I'm with you 100. percent It's an it's an it's an odd dynamic. The last thing I'll just the idea though that Klemko needs to spend four pages on Monday Morning Quarterback defending his column. I think if I'm Peter King, that's an issue. I'm concerned when the whole thing is from one. That's what worries me is when the whole story is from one side, and clearly it came from Archie Manning. Archie Manning gave him information. He played the videotape for him. He played the audio tape for him. Right. He if, pointed, if, if, if nothing he, else, they put him in touch with Greg Johnson. I agree Well, they played the tape for him. I mean, they said they went right. to the Manning house. They played the tape for him. It is clearly coming from Archie Manning, and that that right away screams you, a conflict of interest. You can't trust him because the other side's not going to talk. I thought at best, at best, it was a really shaky piece. All right, and I and I would say this. I understand the criticism of it. I, I think Klemko, to defend him, did did he did ask everyone who was part of that piece if they wanted to comment. So he was fair in that sense. In terms of the Manning stuff, and again, I, you know, being where I work, I hear it from both sides. As passionate as you are about Peyton Manning, if you talk to people like especially who work for Fox Sports One, who are sort of flag waving the Manning end, they're as passionate you saying that this is the biggest railroad job in the history of sports, and Peyton Manning is more innocent than any innocent man alive. Sure, I've heard Clay Travis, and I've heard all these people say that, and that's fine. I haven't seen that proven yet. Put it this way, that story didn't convince me. I read that story right away, and I said I didn't trust it. But that's that's you know that's what it is. What do you think of the national? So in Boston, the last year and a half, I know you've paid attention. We've right. been really into Flakegate, and we sort of led the charge, and we've kind of— you, Your station is into the Flakegate? I, I mean, I haven't <laughs> noticed them. And we've kind of led the charge, and you pay attention all over the country. What is the what is the feeling in Minnesota? What is the feeling in Sacramento? Am I, am I right in thinking that we are 180 degrees different than everybody else? 
Uh, no, I don't think you're. I think you're 180 degrees different than the teams that really hate the Patriots. So, um, you know, I would stick to like Buffalo and New York and Miami. I think though they're the anti-Patriots sentiment is very strong in AFC East cities. I think in other places, to be very honest with you, I think they're as much anti-NFL as they would be anti-anything because. Um, I think they almost share my opinion on this, that the, the, the league has spent an inordinate amount of money on one of the silliest investigations and chases we've ever seen. I don't think, uh, I don't think people necessarily wanted Brady to be suspended multiple games. If I'm in Minnesota, maybe I'm like, ah, the Patriots, I feel like you know, they, they've, they've, they've flouted the rules in the past. Maybe get Brady like one game just sort of as long-term punishment for Spygate or stuff like that. But I don't think – you know, I realize that in Boston, this is you guys could talk about PSIs probably from now until 2030, but I don't think it's as paramount on the issues of the NFL fan in a Minnesota or an Oregon like it is somewhere else. And I think what I think you guys, and I don't want to be, I'll be specific because I, you know, I got myself in trouble with not being specific on the tweet. I'll be specific to the Dennis and Callahan show. I think you guys underestimate how popular Tom Brady is away from. Massachusetts. I mean, the guy has set up a resume where he may be, if he's not the greatest quarterback of all time, he's he's two or three, and he has a lot of fans around the country. But he's I got mean, a lot of haters, though, too. I mean, you, you, I think you agree. At least, let's put it media-wise. If Brady retired today, I don't think you'd get quite the the national, you know, foot rub the Manning got in the last couple of days. I would agree with you, but I, but here's the irony on this, Kirk. I think Peter King would give him the same. Foot that's, I think I Peter, think that's, King, loves, that's I think Peter King loves Brady. I know. I don't. I don't disagree with that. How do you right. think? How do you think ESPN's handled Deflategate since the Morrison thing all the way till today? Uh, <laughs> I laugh because you know, given that I cover these guys every day, it 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 continues to amaze me at how uh, how foolish they are in their decisions. The Number one, I don't believe there is a conspiracy throughout ESPN to screw the Patriots. Why do I believe that? Because I've dealt with hundreds of their employees, and most of them are New England-based fans. There are Patriot fans all over that building in Bristol, so I don't think there's some kind of conspiracy to knock the Patriots down. That said, to me, their hubris and arrogance of not changing that story that they published on January 21st which was as wrong as wrong could be on the Patriot game balls, ended up biting them in the ass, and they deserve it. They, that that could have the that that situation could have been dialed down five hundred fold had they. And this is where I think the public editor actually did a good job. Had they been transparent and said, "We got bad information. We published it. We now realize that this information is not correct. The investigation is not done, but we are adding some kind of." Uh, um, addendum to the end or editor's note at the top to say that w- we apologize to our readers for printing this incorrect information. This isn't true. And I'm talking about doing this like way back in early uh, in early February, late January. Not let that story sit out there forever and not explain why Mortensen deleted his tweet. If you want my opinion just sort of as someone who covers media, I think Chris Mortensen and probably Peter King too got pretty bad information from a an NFL official. I don't know if they intentionally lied to these guys to spin or that the NFL official had the wrong information. And then I think uh, Mortensen, whether through pubris or another reason, decided not to change it. Peter King eventually sort of fell on the sword and admitted he was wrong. But maybe the source was big enough where they wanted to protect the source or maybe ESPN, um, as they often are, 
just does not have its act together when the different parts of this gigantic organization are doing different things. But I actually thought the public editor, and that's not a position I always love, actually nailed it correctly. They, there were steps along the way where if these guys would have just been transparent with the audience, which they so often are not, I, I think you guys would have, quite frankly, had 10 less months of content. You know, I, I watch ESPN now, and I, I don't know what the hell I'm watching anymore. So, every, you know, I'm, we're on from 6 to 10 in the morning. We'll have Sports Center on without sound a lot of the time. Sometimes I'll put it up, and I don't know what they're doing. There's, there's bits. There's people dancing. There's Hollywood stars who are showing up. The hosts are trying way too hard to be personalities. To me, ESPN now, particularly Sports Center, 80% of the time is cringeworthy. Well, the reason why that's happening is because the the viewership numbers have dropped precipitously. They're in free fall in terms of audience over the last three years on that brand, and they have to do something about it. The world of social media and the digital world has changed everything. You basically can get a highlight within you know within 30 seconds or two minutes if it happens in a game. So the idea that SportsCenter is destination viewing now is over. So now they have to figure out, okay, this is our flagship show. We still get 600, 700,000 people watching it. How do we make it compelling? And Somebody, whether it's management or consultants, have decided to turn the personalities, to turn the talent of Sports Center into personalities. Well, do you so think we're getting, it, do you, like, do you think we're getting like lists from them. Right. We're getting right. We're getting nonsense from. No, I don't think it's going to work. I think, like you, I think people are looking at this and like this is like amateur hour. This is a circus. Why? This is not compelling television for us to stay with you. I'm not sure I have the answer, but I do not believe the answer is. GMA, Today Show, Happy Talk, because generally speaking, uh, you know, their biggest chunk of their audience, men, uh, you know, 20 to 54, they're not tuning in to get like David Lloyd's like favorite like Rose Bowl game. Right. That, I, don't John, I, don't John, I don't want John Buchagrass like singing. I mean, you know, my life is too short. I don't need, you know, 30 seconds of that going on or a minute and a half of uh, Neil Everett doing is who's who is not a funny guy. It, it, it's, it's not working right now. And honestly... I know you hate the show, but the one thing that's working and getting a response is Stephen A. and Skip Bayless. There's a reason for that. I heard you say it to Ben Kitchen, my podcast producer, before you came in. Ultimately, whether you like the personalities or not, people like watching people people argue about stuff. They, they do. do. They do. They, th- that's why when you and Bart Hubbock go in the squared circle, if and I hope this happens, People will tune in because people love debate. My, you know, we could spend an hour on first take, and everybody at this point knows my feelings. And listen, I agree. You, I know you've called me out on this, and I'll cop to it. A little bit of my attacks on Ballas are certainly shtick at this point, but I'm not even attacking. I don't even care if he sees it. I, I tweet about him because I know there are management people who read it, and I just want them to be embarrassed. But Richard, it's you a, but Richard, you must like you must. It's a juvenile. It's a juvenile no, thing. No, no, that I know. Makes I, me, I, I know that, me but, happy for ten seconds. But, but, no, I understand. Believe me, I do plenty of that on Twitter as well. But you must know, like you must understand the business sense of why they wouldn't put outside the lines in the key spot, and why they put. I mean, your your anger shouldn't be at ESPN. Your anger should be at the people you're tweeting at, the viewers. They're the ones who are deciding it. Well, again, I, I have also never called for first take to be canceled. I never feel sort of comfortable seeing anybody, even loathsome Skip Bayless, lose their job. I just really despise the notion of manufactured debate. I, 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 dis, I really despise when Bayless does things that he does when he's – you know, like attacking athletes and sort of like changing their names to like women's based names. That's like misogynistic 
BS stuff. The show really is like bad professional wrestling. And the reason why I think you can be critical of it is because ESPN has always claimed to be better. You know this. They they claim the high ground. They always want the higher moral ground on everything, yet they produce right. what I would say is the worst show on television. But it gets viewers, right? It get it, it over. We should always be be specific here. It overperforms for its time slot. Well, right. I mean, within the time right. slot. Right. It it it, it averages you know a, a shade under four hundred thousand viewers. A little bit over during the NFL. Actually, a little bit more than over during the NFL season. Under uh, when the NFL is not on. So in the I mean, we're talking about a show that probably in some cities like doesn't come close to being like a Seinfeld rerun. But within its Within its time slot on ESPN, it overperforms. And beyond it, Kirk, the real reason the show is on, and you know this uh, uh, in terms of you know negotiating with WEEI. Mm-hmm. I know you, you know you're probably pulling down six, seven hundred grand, so you can live in this world. <laughs> right. And and that is that the show is cheap. They own the studio, Correct. right? So all they got to do is what they just got to pay for their pay talent. Pay the talent. That's it. And that's it. And so they can make ten million dollars on that show because they sell it to a big advertiser. It overperforms. And they get the viewers. So that's why it'll, it will never end. I mean, people like always say if you just ignore Bayless and Smith, they'll go away. Like, it's a dumb argument. They're, they've been on for a decade now. They're not going away. The ESPN makes too much money on that show, and they're actually losing money elsewhere. So there's no way they're going to shut that show down. Yeah, I, I, I'm fascinated. Or yeah, That word's overused. I'm interested to see what ESPN is going to look like not 10 years from now, three years from now, five years uh, from now. Because, uh, by the way, you know, Kornheiser and Wilbon ain't getting any younger. So Correct. they're, they're going to be gone at some point. God knows how they're going to fill that time. I think I think they, they I, I would say that ESPN, given the people in the Eric Rideholm group, and that's around the horn uh, talent and uh, part of the interruption talent. I think you will see people like mm-hmm. Bamani Jones, Pablo Torre, uh, Dan Lebetard, John we uh, John uh, you know Scoot Stugatz. But you know John that's Wiener. you know that's that's that, that, that's, 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 that's not that's not going to be on. that's not going to be as good a show. Uh, no, not only will it not be as good a show, it will not come close to drawing the numbers that Wilbon and Cornyn are drawing. Right, there's a natural chemistry. I mean, like you know, Bomani Jones and 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 uh, 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 what's his face, uh, Dan Lebetard doing a show together is awful. You put them on. Well, they do, they, they I know, do a show together. They do a show together now. Actually, I like I like oh, Bomani. I think he's a talented guy. That said, every this is where ESPN is really sort of screwed. PTI essentially at this point is there on a day-to-day basis highest rated, most viewed show. It usually draws about nine hundred fifty. I'm sure it's the one show I DVR on ESPN. Yeah, sometimes a million viewers. When those two guys aren't on or drops one off. of them's not on, it drops significantly. I said so that. I it's think- funny. I said that. I had Ryan on as one of my guests, and I said, no offense, because you know I think you're great, but it's different when Ryan is there with corn for for he'd some pr- reason. He probably he probably admit it. He, 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 he agreed. It's, it's it, not even that the show's not good. The show is fine, but for some reason. It it just feels different. Yeah, and the thing is, though, here's the thing: the reason they can't cancel it, even if like the show really drops in terms of uh, compelling nature and everything else, it, the number is so high for ESPN that even if it dropped, let's say it dropped thirty, oh, it's still a great number. Right? Still drawing six hundred thousand viewers. That that's crushing essentially everything else other than live programming on the network. I think you. I mean, listen, you've read a lot of this stuff. You you've hit it on the head. They're they're in. You know, compared to FS1, obviously, it's Shangri-La for them. I mean, they're not going to worry about that, but they have to worry about where they were, you know, three to five years ago because the cord cutting is really hurting them. The number of homes ESPN has dropped significantly in the last three years, and I think they're at the moment struggling to find compelling studio programming. Now, maybe, you know, listen, they, they've, they're revamping it now. Rachel Nichols has a show. They're doing some other stuff, but I, I they'll never admit this publicly. But but I, 
I think they're in a they're in a bit of a creative crisis right now, and it, it'll be interesting to see how and if they come out of it. I think Rachel Nichols is really smart like you do. I think she asks tough questions, but like no one's ever going to watch her show every day. That's just not that's not the way it works. It's a tough it's a tough thing to ask viewers to watch an NBA only show Dude, whatever no it is one thirty in the watch. afternoon. No one's going to watch that. That's dead. That show is no chance. But that kind of brings me into something else. I guess uh, a dis- not even a disagreement, but an issue. I guess to some extent I've had with you in the past. I do feel like, ironically, you know, you sort of have a double standard. I think you're easier on female reporters than you are on male reporters. Fair or unfair? I think that's fair. Yeah, generally speaking. But I think, and I think the reason behind that is because I think having covered media for a decade, I just see how often they sort of get screwed and how often things are. Um, are, they're up against it when it comes to so much stuff, from ageism to the fact that men are the ones putting them on to the fact that there's a beauty aesthetic that they have to deal with that most men don't have to deal with. I was raised by essentially a single mom. Right. I'm sure that's part of it. So, I mean, the psychology, I, I, if you probably, you know, my mom's a shrink, so if you probed me, you'd probably get why I, I probably give them a, a fairer shake than men, but I think that's fair. Uh, I think that's true. I think there's reasons for that, but I, but I think... I think you're fair about that. That said, when someone is not very good at their job, I've tried to be honest. Like The one thing me and you agree on, even though I wouldn't have taken it to the level you did, is neither of us think Aaron Andrews is a, is a good reporter. I, I right. think she's a television personality who occasionally practices journalism, and I've always said that. Fox hates when I say that, but that's the truth. If you're being honest, Aaron Andrews is not the best baseball sideline reporter and should never work the World Series. It's just – it's not it's not a merit-based assignment, and it's not good for your baseball audience. So I, I will uh, – at least I've tried to sort of call out people, and, uh, and that doesn't mean Aaron Andrews doesn't work hard. I actually think she does. I just don't think she's great as a reporter. So I've, I've at least tried to call people out when I feel it's warranted. That said, you're totally right. I, um, I, I would never um, – I, I think yeah. I think, I'll just leave it at that. I think that's fair. I think I'm I'm probably easier, or I give women uh, in the business the benefit of the doubt more than I would men. Well, you listen. Fair. You were really rough on me when the Aaron Andrews thing happened a couple of years ago, and it was for me. It was you know I was I've been doing this for a little over a year on the show, and it got national. It got big, and I totally fucked up. I mean, I'm the first one to say I went way too far. It was inappropriate. I, I don't think that, I ever said that this guy should be removed from the air. I, no. guess, I think if I remember right, I said this is low rent amateur bullshit. And Fox should step up and do something. Correct. But I, I, I don't. I, 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 I don't. Honestly, don't have a. I don't have a big issue with that. I don't. Right. I, I screwed up. I totally. I wouldn't say it. Yeah. Now. Which, to your credit, you've you have you have. I mean, you have publicly discussed screwing up at this point a hundred times. So if nothing right. else, you you have you have owned that particular thing. The, the you know the thing that's the thing that's tough now is is when I look at Aaron Andrews and these other uh, men and women. That position to me, sideline reporter, and some of them do a good job. Sideline reporter for me now, when I watch the game, my sideline reporter is Twitter, play-by-play guy, color analyst, Twitter. Color analyst. They have to figure out a way or just get rid of it, one or the other. They have to change that position because right now when you're watching the game, you watch the game, I watch the game the same way. We've got our phones or tweet deck or whatever. By the time Michelle Tafoya or Aaron Andrews or uh, uh, Evan Washburn, is that his name? By the yeah, time correct, by the time yeah. they get on TV and tell me that somebody's questionable with a hamstring, I've known that for 15 minutes. But you have to admit that when it's done well, Darsburg, Tafoya, but, but Lisa Salters, when, when there's something that happens on the field and they ask interesting questions, or like just a couple weeks ago when Lisa Salters reported that Draymond Green went off that, in right, the locker room right. during the war that's game, different. That's, that's a valuable thing But Richard, viewers. how often does that happen? 
Doesn't happen a lot. Dorsberg I is... 80%, 80% of the time, I agree with you. Sideline report. I would not change... The, I think the position is still valuable because it's always valuable to have eyes on the field. But yeah, I mean, I think 80 70% of the time, you are just getting stuff that you can find on Twitter. I agree. I'd say that Doris Burke is also different because she's when she's doing sideline, she's also an analyst doing sideline. I mean, Correct. you yeah, know, Aaron Andrews is, Pro- is on football. Providence. I mean, Doris, right. hoops, Dar- Doris Hoops. Doris Burke is a hoops head. She knows the game, and I think she brings a different kind of uh, – value to the position than right than someone who's just there because they have great presentation on camera. I agree. By the way, I will say this. Mm-hmm. You see, if you want us to argue, your show is wrong on Mendoza. And again, you know this, even though when I was preparing for my summit with Chris Curtis, I listened to you guys take shots at me claiming that I somehow think that Jessica Mendoza is the greatest uh, baseball analyst in the history of mankind. That's not me. I think Sandemir is the one who said Schilling should replace my Mendoza. I never said that. Right. I think I would have had a rotation. That said, I do think Callahan and your boy John Dennis are a little hard on her. She's – she she's pretty good. Well, she knows batting mechanics. But, but she knows but the she's, sequences. She she knows she she does the work. I know she's gone to the winter meetings just to report the same way. Is she as good as the Globe is she as good, is she as good as Shelling? Not on pitching. No chance. No, she's always, um, but she's I not. But she's as, not a, as, an, as an on-air television no, performer, no, no, no. I don't. Uh, as a broadcaster, I, I don't, I, she's no, not as, as a broadcaster, no, I don't think she's at Shelling's level yet. But I think. She is good enough, as I wrote, to be in – if you had like five analysts on ESPN between Sunday and Monday, you know, Aaron Boone, Kurt Schilling, Mendoza, Kruk, I think she could be part of the rotation where they all flip to different games. Do you have a problem? So, I think she's have, good enough to do that. Do you have an issue when you're – I don't think it does her any services when I'm watching her a couple weeks ago at Cubs camp doing stretching exercises with the players. I, there's, no, there's no reason to do that. I think the reason they do that is because I, you know, she's a jock. She was she uh, one of the great, great hitters of I all know, time but, in softball. So I, they, they, that's not just a Jess Mendoza thing. You, how stupid is it when we see like Wingo, Tom Jackson, and Keyshawn Johnson and Chris Carter throwing the ball in the fake field? You know that's dumb. You know what it is? It's, yes. ins- it's insulting. I watch it and think, and, and maybe I think differently. Maybe you do too. I watch it and think, who the fuck is this appealing to? Who in America is watching it's Trey dumb, Wingo with a dumb, football? It's a dumb consultant and producer saying that the audience wants to see you guys with a football. Or, or, or it's the talent saying, you know, let's try to make us look pretty cool. I mean, we all know you're ex-jocks. Like, you don't need to – Chris Carter does not need to remind me that he was a wide receiver in the NFL by having, like, Trent Dilfer throw him a football. It also it, – it, it really always looks like just a, a, a bad – Saturday Night Live sketch gone wrong. Totally it does. never comes off good. Um, and that's what I would say less about Jessica Mendoza than anything else is I think ESPN just falls in love with like trying to be physically active through its like technology and learning. But you also agree that ESPN – you might think she's a good analyst. I'm not ready to say that yet. I'll listen to her this year and find out. I'll give her a year. Yeah, you'll come, you'll come around. Maybe, I, maybe, I maybe, maybe. But but let's. But we both agree that it's important for ESPN to say they have a female analyst in the booth doing during doing Sunday night baseball. They like uh, the, the fact that she's female. absolutely. This is you know again. I uh, you know the when Callahan goes on his pandering rants and starts calling people the king of PC. I don't love that. That's a, that's a that he's just pandering in a different way. When he says something like ESPN absolutely wants to promote that they um, that their 
placing women in high-profile positions, and they want to shine from that. I agree with you a, a thousand percent. That network needs as much good publicity as it can get given the screw-ups that it does on a generally speaking weekly or monthly basis. So I totally agree with you, 100%. Here's what I don't get, and, and somebody has to explain to me. So you know, people are going to watch football no matter what, no matter who the color analyst is, Correct. the play-by-play guy. So why is it so important for ESPN? Let's just pick ESPN to have stars. Ray Lewis sucks. He can't get through a sentence. He's an Bad embarrassment. Iron. I agree. Awful. As opposed to a guy we have him on every week, Tim Hasselbeck, right? Was not a great pro. Right. I, He's excellent. Tremendous. And first of all, his brother just got a job without any broadcasting. It's better than his job. Why do networks, and, that's, and it's not just them, CBS, Tony Gonzalez, who hasn't said one interesting thing in his life, is in there because he caught 900 passes. If he caught 200 passes, he wouldn't have a job. I'll never, for the life of me, understand why they think they need great former players to do. It's been going on forever, and there's no proof that it leads to any ratings increase. Kirk, I'm enjoying this conversation too much. I feel like I need Larry from uh, Newburyport to come in maybe and, and give, it some, uh, give it some stuff. All right, the reason you're correct. The reason is because the, the guys who um, are very good with producers, when the producing groups come to – town, you know, when the Nan Sims group comes right, Manning, to Foxborough. Manning is a perfect and, example. You know, right, but I'm saying there, Tony Gonzalez, when I talked to TV execs, was always on their list of a guy who was great with the announcers and the producers behind the scenes and giving them insight. And that's usually where the first contacts come from. And they, these networks keep a list of guys. The second thing is, and this is where the Ray Lewis mistake comes in, net, network executives always believe that stars will somehow bring the audience um, into the fold. And I would contend that there is essentially no one out there in the NFL who will compel you to watch a studio show just by their presence. In the NBA, I think Barkley does it. But there's nobody, I think, in the NFL. Ray Lewis, I mean, I guess if you're an ESPN executive, you used to see him do his fire and brimstone stuff in the locker room. You think that maybe he would bring that intensity to your studio show. He's on the defensive side of the ball, which we don't often get. We usually get quarterbacks and offensive people. So that was the thought process. But it's amazing to me how often uh, these broadcast networks will overpay for high-profile NFLers who, generally speaking, become very average in the booth. Gonzalez is average. Ray Lewis, given what they paid him, has been an absolute disappointment. And oftentimes, it's guys like Tim Hasselbeck or Ryan Clark or Lewis Riddick who were uh, either you know good or you know below average NFL players, but they really turn out to be great communicators. And I think it might have to do with they really work hard at the craft. They don't take it for granted. So I'm with you on the fact that like most of the people I really like who are analysts in the NFL are not the guys who had the biggest success. Like I, I think Ryan Clark, Lewis Riddick, I think Hasselbeck is good. I think a lot of guys who weren't like the most successful guys of all time turn out to be pretty good television people. I'll never understand it. And you know, and Manning is going to do. I think Manning's going to do TV next year. My prediction, I've been saying it for months, is he's going to replace Sims because Sims is completely pathetic now. So they're going to pay Manning, you know, six seven million dollars. And they're going to give him – this doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. They're going to give him this money having no real actual idea if he's good or not. He won't have to try out. He won't have to do a demo. He won't have to do anything. Like you said, he's done 5 million sit-downs with Nance over the years. They have the same agent. Manning Correct. is going to get that job if he wants it with no proof if he knows how to do it. There's no other job in the world where you get that. 
Having talked to CBS, I happen to agree with you. I think they have loyalty to Phil Simms. I think Peyton Manning is the one guy I think they would remove. The, the one caveat I would say is it is possible that for the first year they could do Manning, Sims, and Nance. Well, my theory uh, that, is my theory on that, that wouldn't is, surprise me. My theory is they're just going to tell Sims he still has the job and not even like turn on his mic. He won't even know. They'll give him a crayon. Just let, he stay stay home yeah. in New Jersey. No, He's no, no. He'll, 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 he'll be in the booth. He'll watch flies go by, and, and you know Nance will feed them food during the breaks, like I think they do during the broadcast. Sims is. I don't know what happened to Sims. He was once okay. He's regressed to the point now where he's as bad an analyst as you can get. He's, uh, you know, it's interesting because you know the people in Denver really dislike him. I didn't realize that it was as bad in New. In, even, I don't. I don't. In New England, Richard, I don't care if the Patriots go 0 16 or 16 0 next year. I really don't. He's just a. It's not even a bias thing. He hasn't had a good, listen. He has not had a good couple of years. I, I agree with you, and I actually think Nance has gotten a little bit better as a. I agree. Football, football game caller, which makes that. Interesting. The one thing, again, just getting back to your Peyton point, yeah. he, he is the one guy, I think, because he has done so much television uh, cro- like across um, sports, meaning Saturday Night Live and his commercials, I think the networks believe that he is as ready-made a prospect as they've ever had. So you're right. They would give him a number one job off the field. The other thing is, and this is where the competitive stuff comes in, if you're CBS, you know that the NFL Network will give Peyton anything he wants. You know that um, ESPN would give, uh, maybe they would knock Rudin out, but they give Peyton any studio show they want. And if you really want this guy as part of your organization, you know, you're going to tell Tom Condon and Sandy Montag, his agents, tell us the job you want and we'll we'll give it to you. But it, it just, again, it, it, it never... It's always stunning to me how much money these networks pay for NFL players and coaches to be part of their organization. And and for the life of me, I, I often find it very hard to extrapolate how much value they really provide viewers. Some do, Some. but there's so much, so many out there that you know. It's just it's just added noise. I think you can count on one hand for me the number of color analysts that you know, you'll watch. Like Van Gundy is one. Johnny, yep, like Johnny Miller is actually still one if he's if he's in a good mood. McEnroe is one if you're watching a tennis match. There aren't many left in football. Collinsworth, when he's good, is still good. I think yep. I, just, I happen to like Aikman. I think he's improved. Yeah, he's, but he's still. But yeah, he's. I think he's still okay. But you're right. There are hundreds of millions. I mean, how much money a year? If you gun to your head, would you say that ESPN spends on on-air talent, former players? I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars. It, it's in the hundreds of millions. And how many yeah. are good? Two dozen? Uh, and what's frustrating about that is the company the, the company just not too long ago got rid of 300 behind-the-scenes people, including people who gave their blood, sweat, and tears to that company for 20 years. The, the ESPN hates when I do this, when I, when I mention somebody um, – and I always get permission from the person, sort of who was laid off or who was gone, where there's always still money for the Ray Lewises. And they're, they're, they're always saying this, and your talent, so maybe WEI would say this – and that's you have to look at uh, the economics differently between talent and production. Well, I, I guess I understand that in theory, but when the talent is not performing, why are you getting rid of somebody in production who is performing? And that's just a bad job of management to me in terms of overspending and overbuying the 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 people who are out there. But I'm with you. I mean, there are – Think of how much sports content is out there and how many analysts like you listen to that really are game-changing for you as a viewer. No, just not I'm many. telling you, this, there's maybe six or eight. That, and, that, that everybody talks about Fox Sports 1, and it's it's probably not going to work. By the way, that's one of the reasons that you had them on your show. I love McDonough, and I love Dan Schulman because they mm-hmm. are two play-by-play people Terrific. who I feel enhance my 
yeah. viewing of a broadcast, which which is something like so invaluable to me as a viewer paying a lot of money to get cable. Well, I think McDonough's the best play-by-play guy in the country. I think he's you know I, I think he's he's he's, 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 he's 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 this year in a, like the awards thing I did. I, I called him and Spielman the best announcing team in 2015. Uh, so tremendous. He's right. He's right up there for me. Um, but you know, Fox Sports One just hasn't it, it, it just hasn't landed. And when ESPN, so you know, when we spend a couple of days killing ESPN for having your guys Stephen A. You know, carry go around Mayweather's house and gawk at his cars. It it's an infomercial. It's an I mean, infomercial. It was, but, but, it was an eight-minute infomercial. But Richard, has, way, for, for, for a guy, they gave an eight-minute infomercial for the guy who has the most suspect take on domestic violence on the whole network. Right, well, that's, but, right. And, and, and with a guy who is a, who is a you know, serial abuser of women. Absolutely. And, and, and has no – doesn't matter. We can yell up and down. You know what I'm going to do on, on the first Thursday of the Masters? Sit down and watch ESPN for four hours. And when there's a big college basketball game, I'm as big a fraud as anybody. I'm going to watch ESPN. Am I going to watch Monday Night Football? Yes, the British Open. Well, it's on NBC now. Yes, but, you know, you pick a big ESPN spot, I'm going to watch it. I don't, you know, I can yell. I can get red in the face. I can scream about Mortensen. I can scream about Trey Wingo. I can scream about Mark Brunel crying. You Brunel guys are killing Trey Wingo this well, morning. I mean, you heard that. That's it. Should a grown man be doing that? I think, uh, I listen, I like Trey a lot. Um, I think he's very good on TV. I would say that I understand that he, th- you know, I, I, listen, he's obviously loves his the son. Answer no. Peyton, the answer is Man- no. The answer is no. I'm going to get to it. And Peyton Manning obviously had meaning for both of them. But to me, that's something that you you can't put on television. That's cringeworthy. It, just, it, doesn't, it makes you look, in my opinion, too much like part of the Manning camp. So I agree with you. And by I, way, wouldn't I, killed him. I wouldn't have killed him as much as you guys did. Whoa. But I, 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 it, 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 for a guy who I think is very, very good, I think that – that just looks like fanboy to me. I want I've been advocating Wingo to take over for Berman for a while. When you talk As to people, you talk to people at ESPN, does Chris Berman call his own expiration date? I believe it's coming in 2017 because that's when his contract is up. Uh, I think it's it's a political issue for them because they want to show the guy who helped build the network loyalty, and um, you know they don't want to you know they don't want they don't want to exit him embarrassingly ESPN as a company as you know will always sort of overpay for the last couple of years look what they're doing with Ditka uh you know there's no reason sort of be should be extending Ditka at this point it's not really to me putting a lot of time in so i think they're going to try to figure out a way to exit Berman gracefully but you know they they fight with the people who cover this stuff like me when we criticize Berman and it's not personal but you know i'm sure Berman and the PR department think it is but he's just he it's embarrassing to a network to put this guy on a play-by-play assignment for the NFL or for baseball. I mean, home run derby is kind of like it it doesn't count, I get it. It's like an exhibition thing, but you should have quality competent people doing this stuff, not caricature. So, I think it's coming. Wingo is going to replace Berman on Sunday NFL Countdown. He's going to replace him on the draft. It's probably going to come in the next two to three years, and it'll be interesting to see how they exit him. But Berman is disappointing to me because I, I grew up and I watching him as you did, and I don't remember him being as clownish as he became. And I just I wonder why that had to happen. And maybe maybe there was nobody at ESPN who could tell him, hey, man, you, you're looking foolish, or you know, maybe his ego just got so great where he thought he could do anything. But it, it just it, it sort of saddens me more than anything else because it's – it's like a really bad, like Catskills of Audible act playing out in 2016. It's 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 over, and I'm su- I'm surprised that the I guess they feel some loyalty to him because he's been there from the well, start. Him and, him and Bob Lee. I mean, those I know, are the two I mean, guys but, who built it. But here's the difference: is Lee has found a niche and he does his thing, and you know, 
Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's it's you know enough with the soccer on that thing. But at least, <laughs> right. but but I mean, but but I mean, at least at least you know what he's doing. Berman will stumble in. They don't have the U.S. Open anymore, but he would do the golf, and it was un. You're thinking, what is this guy doing? How does he get these these prime spots? Because he has, uh, I'll tell you why. Because when Berman was at the beginning of his career and had his the, the juice of juices, the people who were his production assistants, the people who were low level, like working with him, have now risen up that company and are running the content and production. So Chris has always now been protected by those who worked on staff with him when they were in their 20s. They're now in their 40s or 50s, and they're the guys, they're the suits calling the shots. So he's had protection. The last ten years, not just protection from production, and um, and uh, he gets protection from the PR department, which at ESPN is a very, very valuable thing. It's a six billion dollar company. They they throw a lot of resources into PR, so it, it's you know I'm sure from people on the outside who are like, how on earth is this guy still getting assignments? I mean, I'm not the biggest golf fan, but I talk to my friends who love golf, and they terrible. They, the worst. They, 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 it's infuriating for them, but that's the reason. The reason is he's protected by guys who can now give him the assignments and they, they'll deal with the social media and all the other feedback. I know you like very, very, very frustrating for viewers. I know. I'm sure you like Katie Nolan. She's right in your wheelhouse. She's, she's fine. Right, she's, where, Framingham? Where, what's the town fr- that fr- she's from? Framingham. Framingham. So, so, she, so, so, you know, she, she, everyone says she's really brave because she tackles those taboo subjects like Roger Goodell. And I don't Greg, know how brave she like is. Roger, I, like, I, think she, I think she's creative. Like I like Roger her, Goodell too. and Greg Hardy. That's fine. And, and people like her, and that's right. great. And I hope she has a great 30-year career. I'm rooting for her. But are you, you know, honestly rooting for her? Yeah, or are, you pand- are you pandering to no, me I'm now? No, I'm not like you. I'm not some professional panderer or some, you know, right, okay. some guy whose you know, whole life is revolved around, you know, Holly Rowe. Right. Who I happen right. to I'm going right now. Once I finish this interview, I'm going. I'm going to a now protest. In <laughs> I believe town, it. So actually, I, I actually like Holly Rowe, but anyway, <laughs> but but uh, but you know, you'll be really brave or, or gutsy for Katie Nolan. I'm serious. It's for her to go on the air and say it's probably time for a lot of these female reporters to stop fooling around with athletes and coaches because it sets us back. People like Katie Nolan, who I think does is trying hard to do a good job and stay out of the way. People like Jackie McMullen. People like Trenny, who you mentioned before. You yeah. know, Trenny, Trenny should get. Jess Moran's job. She's she did. She's overqualified. She's better at it than Jess. Doesn't she, she have she, a better job than Jess? Though? Yeah, Isn't no, but she, she does not. But she did MLB forever. She could go do a lot more Red Sox stuff. Be a lot more prominent there. Help the station there. You know, right. every time this happens, and I know you heard Jackie with the afternoon guys earlier this week. Yep. Every time something like this happens, you know, it sets them back. And you know, you as a media guy, a national media guy, you should be writing about this because a lot of this stuff going on. I may write about this, so I'm, you know, I'm not going to avoid it, and I, but I'm happy to address it with you. Um, I think that would be a great topic for Katie Nolan to hit on, actually, um, and I think that would be really interesting. I heard Jackie Mack on your station. She was great. That was a phenomenal segment, one of the best segments I've heard on EEI in a while. Why? Because one, she has the credibility and the gravitas to weigh in. Two, she nailed it. You cannot cross that line. There, there's no excuses for Jessica Moran. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not going to soft sell it. It's the, it's like the cardinal violation, essentially, of someone who is a reporter. It, it's crossing into the ultimate uh, unethical place, and that's to compromise yourself when you are covering someone. The question I would have is how long did it go on? Did Comcast know anything and that they – uh, I would have, God forbid, I would hope that they would not have allowed this. I think they, and listen, I get the heart, listen, sometimes it's hard to sort of prevent the heart from wanting what it wants, but like if you are any kind of reporter who cares about this stuff, you, the second, like this is even a possibility, Jessica Moran should have, should have resigned, whether that was months ago or 
years ago. It makes Comcast look amateur, and I agree with you. I mean, listen, Trini can't comment on this publicly because it's her um, her company, but. I guarantee if you put a lie detector on her, she's pissed. Oh, because, I, I guarantee because, you she's because, pissed. Because it makes you right. Because then there are, there, there are guys out there um, who now think somehow that every woman who works in the business is trying to sleep with a player well, not, or a coach, not just, not just that, bullshit. Well, not just that, Richard. Let's just say Trendy wants to do what Jess was doing. She wants to go over the Red Sox. There's a chance that Comcast is going to look at this and say, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't put a woman here this time. Let's put a guy in here right now. Let's sort of wait it out, and then maybe we could put a woman in again. Trenny's going to get hurt because of the sins of somebody else, which interesting. is have they, have they Have they filled that position? Like, who is the Comcast nah, Red Sox nah. reporter? Uh, they, they're kind of bad. They're sort of bouncing around right now. You can tell they're trying to, to figure it out before they do something. I did some Comcast for about four and a half years before that Bart Hubbard right. thing happened. And I can tell you, I know people in the building knew about it. Do I know that upper management knew about it? No. Do I think it's... It strains reality to think that upper management wasn't at least aware of what everybody I know in the media was aware of. I mean, it strains credibility that they were not aware of at least the possibility of a rumor. Do you agree? Yeah, hard. Almost impossible. Almost impossible to believe that that wasn't the case. Almost impossible to believe it. But you know, it's it's, 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 it's bad. And the other thing is, it sucks for any young woman who wants to cover the Red Sox because Jenny Dell and now Jess Moran and there's this. there's this now sense that somehow that that's like what that market is about, and it's not the case. But that sucks because you're right. Because now, not only do you have to prove yourself as a, as a woman sports uh, broadcaster in a in a really uh, in a really high caliber, passionate market, you get the baggage now of the people who were like you said, the people who came before you, which really sucks. I'm gonna give you a little piece of advice because you do these things where you ask like seven or eight different women what it's like to right. you know be right. pregnant. Or I appreciate you reading. What's Thank it you. like to be in the hotel room during? Well, you tweet all day. What's it like to be in the hotel room? What's it like as to be do pregnant? You, I, I listen. I heard you on the air the other day. You were I forgot who you were telling to, but you you were saying maybe it was uh oh, it was McDonough on your podcast where you say that Twitter has sort of consumed you a little bit too much. Well, but, but you got to think for my job, right? And I understand you talk to the real. That's mine too. I know. I, but, I, but that's my I, job. I, I know you discussed it with the real brains of the show, Chris Curtis. So I, it, right. you know, I don't. I don't really want to step on his toes. I can tell you this: this podcast will not set the agenda in Boston. I, no, it probably won't. But but when but Curtis is right about this, and you, I'm sure you know. In our job, I'm just I'm not I'm not tweeting much, but you got to check all day. Yeah, I mean you have to. But you got to. What you got to do is you got to get these seven, same six or seven women and ask them. You know, what they think of Jess Moran, what they think of Jenny Dell, what they think of Samantha Ponder, what they think of... I, I, I made I just so you know, I, you know, one of the codes that the women in the business have, though, generally speaking, is that they won't rip another woman, even if behind the scenes well, they really that's, that's, dislike it. So, that's and bullshit. You could they call, should, you could they shouldn't that do somebody. that. You could, you could say that there's hypocrisy they there. Maybe themselves. that's the case, but I'm... I'm telling you that you know you, you can ask this of Trenny and you can ask this of other well, women not, that well, you not, know in the Jackie, market. Not Jackie. They, general, they generally speaking won't. Jack, that's where Jackie is really an anomaly. They you don't often hear publicly women in the business rip other women. Well, in the I, think I think they're doing the younger women a disservice by not talking they may about be. it. I mean, I don't think there's any question about it. Right. Except for this, when when something happens so publicly, like uh, what happened with Julie Stewart Binks getting um, you know the Gronk lap dance, right. that's when you might see women. Uh, opine about it, and they did on that sense. They wrote well, well, comments. Let me ask you really public. Let me ask you this: What's worse, Julie Stewart Binks doing, which I think was a terrible look, agreeing to do that with Gronk, or Jess Moran involved in a relationship with the manager? Jess, for Jess years. Moran, by, by like five thousand fold, is a, it's a thousand times. So why would they? Why, even, why would they feel in the same? So thing. why would they feel more compelled to weigh in on on what Julie did? Um. 
You know what? I don't know if I have a great answer for that. I think because I think because it was it because you could see a video a like there was visual. something like visual visual you could see, so you could weigh in. Where the Moran Farrell stuff is only uh, at this point just sort of an admittance that this happened, but you know there's no photos. And there's not much detail to it. But listen, if we're going to compare the acts, it's not even close. I mean, uh, Julie – and I had Julie on my podcast, and I thought she was really smart in terms of discussing it and sort of why it went down and how she might have changed stuff. But I I know uh, someone like Julie Binks would would consider what Jess Moran did the cardinal sin. She wouldn't even come close to that. But it has happened in other places. It just as Jackie McMullen said, it's not endemic, and it sucks that the – uh, the sports fans might now think that this is what is sort of standard operating procedure for women who cover uh, like a, a baseball team. Uh, let me end where we started on Twitter, our Twitter beef from a couple of days ago. You tweeted right. out, you're dumb for engaging Minahan. He lives right. for the shit. What does that mean? By the way, I, the only person who retweeted me was your boy Kevin Paul DuPont, I think, which I love. Who blocked me <laughs> like like a total I know you guys, fucking that, that, coward. That is a war between you guys, well, right? He, he blocked me. I, he, he, I love when guys do shit like that. Then he blocks me. He... There's nothing. If you, I don't, I don't know if you're a big blocker or not. I'll block somebody. I, I wasn't. I, I, I've, I've blocked more in the last two so, years. I so used to I. never do it. So have I. If somebody's unfunny and they and they and they bombard your feed, sometimes you just say I don't want to deal with it. But Dupont's a coward. That's fine. He'll never come on here. I give you credit. Where, where do things stand now with you and Shaughnessy after the the, the Camp David well, Accord? Are well, you? Are it better now or no? There, it's okay, Shaughnessy. You know, if you come and kiss the hand, then I'm going to treat you a little better. But Shaughnessy, you know, I'm down on Shaughnessy this week because he writes for the Globe. Which broke the story. He worked at Com. He works at Comcast. He knows Jess. He knows the Farrell thing affects the Red Sox, and he won't right. write. He won't write about it. Nobody in the city is writing about that, which drives me crazy. But re- but back to it. I engage. You in- wrote about. Well, you wrote about it. And yeah, I, and I, I, wrote I, and about I give it. you credit for that. I read your piece on EEI. You wanted you and you and Jackie Mack are the. I think at least in Boston, the two most prominent people to write about. Yeah, this. the New York Post is right, but the Washington Post. But you engage in what shit? You said you're dumb for engaging in lives for this shit. What shit? You love because you again, again, maybe I should use my language better. You love the you love to engage just in media on media stuff. That your show has been rewarded from this. You love it's part of your personality. Again, I admire you for saying that you see a shrink and. It's probably smart. I'm the son of a shrink. I recommend therapy to everybody. Certainly, talk shows. Yeah, hasn't done much for and, me. Yeah, and uh, but I think you like it. I think you like the combat. I think it. I think the verbal combat drives you. I think it make you. I think it. it um, I think it keeps you on your game. Keith Olbermann once told me that he would go to a studio. Also blocked and me. Be- before to the studio, before he went to the studio, he'd want to get on fights on Twitter because it just sort of like got his mind. Yeah, get your blood. Get your blood going. Right, so I think you like it. That's when I say you live for the shit. I think you love the infighting. The I'm not saying like you know you're a bad guy. I just think you love the back and forth. And I think if you listen to your show, you when a media topic comes on, it, it it's like your eyes get. I mean, if I could, I wish I could see uh, you in the studio because your eyes must get so big like saucers. I could feel like your your energy just rising. It must be like. Uh, you know when the the gladiators came out in Rome in front of the seventy thousand people. Well, do you like do you like our show or do you like the Mike and Mike format? Which which is for you? Can you listen to like Mike and Mike? I have to listen to Mike and Mike because they're part of my beat. I think um, as I told this to Curtis when I am in Boston in the um, I listen to you guys in the morning. Um, there's probably honestly some of that is probably hate listening at times. Like what? Uh, but. I think you. One thing I agree with Curtis. You guys talk more sports than in the morning than the ninety-eight-five guys, and I think that you. Um, 
I think you 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 guys can be really compelling when the topic sort of fits. But there's no doubt, and I'm, I'd be a hypocrite if I said otherwise. There are also times I'm listening, and I'm probably listening because I think, holy shit, I think Callahan's full of shit here. Right. But that's more interesting than like some goofy bit, or like in Mike and Mike's case, like let's get. Uh, ESPN personality X for the thousandth time right. to come in and not really talk about the issue. It's mostly to talk about whatever they are promoting, their show, their brand, etc. So in that what, sense, when I'm in Boston, around Boston, I'm listening to you guys in the morning. I would never say otherwise. I don't listen to too much of the rest of the country. I still listen to Russo a lot on Sirius. He's my favorite uh, radio personality of all time. How is that possible? Because he's entertaining, Richard. He doesn't have to be smart. Uh, it's, be... It's, it's way too much over the top. You don't not. find like, you don't like when he does the, the uh, marquee during the Super Bowl? You don't find that entertaining? No. I mean, I grew up in New York. So you I've must have grew up listening I mean, to Mike and the Mad Dog. Uh, is Chris Russo still talking about like uh, like Al Rosen's catch in the yes, 1954 yes, yes. World Series? It's uh. terrible, but it's great. I love the guy. But uh, I don't listen. You, you, you must have to listen to a lot of sports radio around the rest of the country. Do a lot of, of, the, do a lot of the shows do what our show does in the morning, or is that different? You're different in that you are really um, – I think you are very heightened on media-related stuff. One. Two, as Curtis pointed out, and this is true, because Boston is such a great sports city, and I'd probably say probably the best big sports city in the country, and I live in New York, which I think is a great sports city, but I have to be honest, your show, your show is parochial smartly because there's so much stuff going on in your city that you don't necessarily have to branch out and do other stuff. So, for example, like on a given day in June, if I listen to a you know a sports talk show in a major city like Boston – there, there would be Cavs talk. There would be Warriors talk. You guys in June may seriously still do four hours on the Patriots. Well, no question. We did it. Yeah, well, I mean, and I think yeah, that right. ultimately that's what your audience wants. So that's, to me, the difference between a big show in Boston and, let's say, a big show in uh, Dallas or Houston or – um, you know, or, or some other place. Well, there's a big I reason think- why. I mean, there's a reason, first of all, the two morning shows on both stations do unbelievable ratings here. There's a reason. That's one of the reasons. Correct. But the, there's, the other reason is correct is that, you know, people don't want to hear about college basketball and stuff. And there's a re- Mike and Mike do zeros here. I mean, that, that's just that's just the reality of the situation. And in New York, too. That Mike and Mike get destroyed in the two markets that we are talking from now, right. New York and Boston. And they honestly have no shot. They have ESPN Radio National has no shot in Boston or New York to ever win on a regular basis because the, the cities are so obsessed, generally speaking, with their own teams that you, know, you, can't, you can't win by doing national stuff. I, as someone who works at SI, I really like national stuff. That's probably part of the reason I occasionally listen to ESPN Radio because I like when it's national and not local. But you, know, you, you, there's no, there's, you guys are doing it. You, you would be doing your audience and your show a disservice to start talking about Ohio State's recruiting. Where's, do you really believe that Francesca is going to walk away? No. Uh, I will believe it when I see it. No I think chance. It's too, having interviewed him, it's too much money and too much ego to walk away. Now, that said, uh, maybe he does like a stern thing, maybe three days a week. You can't do that. You can't do that on, you can't do like on FAN three days a week. You can't do that. You can't. You got to be on every day. Yeah, I don't know. I I, just, I can't see and Mike Stern's doing five. Brother, he Stern, can't Stern. do five hours a day anymore. But I, Stern, I think but Stern, he's, he's, but, he's not a young right. guy. But Stern's on satellite, so there's no there's no there's no radio. Could you see Francesca ever going to uh, Sirius? And just no, it's a different no, it's a different he's a market. Local guy, right? It's a different. Yeah, he's way too. I mean, he'd bring a big New York crowd with him, I guess. But these two and Francesca doesn't understand that stuff. He had Simmons on a couple months ago and. Simmons was trying to explain what an app is. It's just, it's, 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 it's. Well, it, by the way, just say, we, we, 
Did the Simmons do EEI ever at all or no? No, so I've been trying to get Simmons on, and we've direct messages Cause you, a little Because you, you, you like him. You're we the one along. guy we get along. at the network we, we, who gets along with We him. get along really well. We direct message back and forth. We have a good relationship. Right now, because of our ESPN AM affiliate, he thinks we have some loyalty to ESPN. I've tried to explain to him. Oh, my God. And you Has agree. to the show? Come nobody, on. Nobody has kicked the <laughs> shit out of ESPN more than me. I mean, that, that, that's not possible. But I, he has a grudge against ESPN. I almost have to admire that and tip my cap. I'm fascinated by what the next year of Simmons is going to look like. This Same team, here. This I, lo- I, I, I can't get enough of, of the, 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 the sort of the circular drama between Simmons and ESPN. I, I talk to Bill myself a lot. Um, I'm fascinated by what he's going to do. I love the fact that ESPN continues to say, you know, we wish him well, we don't care, when they absolutely care and they're obsessed with what he's doing. Not that I think Bill Simmons is going to take down ESPN, but I think they would love to see him fail and I think he's going to do the opposite, and I think it's going to freak them out. I have some. When, I have some. When, I have when, some when, he's, when, when the ringer is is pulling in pretty good numbers right. after ESPN dropped Grantland. I have I have some faith in the ringer. I have doubts about Simmons hosting a TV show on HBO. I think that's uh, fair. That's, Listen, that's, I, I'm not, I don't know what that show. But you, you, maybe you have a take. Uh, what is that show going to be? Is it going to be like a Bill Maher show? That's what I keep hearing. It can't be John Oliver because no, Bill Simmons no, no, isn't—he's no. not a comedian. No, Bill. It's going to be like a, a a Bill Maher kind of show. And I mean, you know, Simmons will bring documentaries back—you know—back to HBO Sports. That'll be a good thing. The Ringer, I think, will do well. But you know, again, like we just said before about Floyd Mayweather, Bill Simmons can leave ESPN, and the ship just keeps rolling. It doesn't really matter. As good as Simmons is, it doesn't matter. Well, again, because. They have a head star from 1979. They're still in 95 million homes. They're a right. $6 billion company. I mean, it's hard to fuck that company up, to be right. very blunt. I mean, you, it's not going away. It's just they're, they're, they, they have to – the one thing about ESPN is they've, they've been understandably arrogant hubristic for a long time. And now the game's changed a little bit, especially because younger people don't necessarily have – the thought process that cable is something I must have in my life. So they're going to have to adapt. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be in business. The big question is just going to be, what are they going to be five, ten years from now? And can there, are there places for other big sports brands to come in and steal some audience? And I think there is. All right. Well, you've come on here. You've apologized. You said some horrible things in the past. You've right. uh, managed to get past. I look forward to your... 26-part series on the history of women in the SEC Broadcasting Network. Is the Bart Hubbard thing going to happen, you think? Yeah, well, yeah, I I would say we're going to do it for the PMC. You know the PMC race, which raises 40 or 50. Jerry Rudd does it every year, 40 or $50 million for cancer research. That means a lot to me personally. I know it means a lot to Hubbard. Hubbard, I think, is a weasel. I I hate him. But I'm happy to go on and debate, and I think he'll do it. And I total. Total credit to him. If he does it, we're going to try and do it around then. I think he'll then. do it. I also, I also think that podcast will be much better than the one we just had. You did a, there will be, you did there a good will job. Be tension, there will be tension, understandably, and legit tension, given what went down with Comcast between you two. And I think I'm actually going to listen to that. I'm, I'm far more excited for that podcast than I will be to re-listen to me. And when do I hear the, the Richard uh, Deitch, Ditch, Deitch, podcast on Deitch. Sports Illustrated? When is, when is that? When, what, is that consistent? My drop's every yeah. Thursday. The, the, it, it drops usually near the end of the week. The, I gotta uh, think you have a sideline like you know Venezuelan speaking only female <laughs> soccer analyst, right? Is right. that who's coming on this week? Who's by on? the way? Right after I finish this podcast, Larry from Newburyport <laughs> and I are heading out for coffee. It's gonna be fantastic. All right, Richard. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Kirk. Thanks for listening to Enough About Me with Kirk Minahan. If you want more great podcasts like the one we just had with Richard Deitch, it's pretty easy. You go and go to the WEI mobile app. You can go to Stitcher. You can go to iTunes. 
You can look up Enough About Me with Kirk Minahan. You can find the ones with Sean McDonough, Bob Ryan, Dan Shaughnessy, David Portnoy. There'll be more. And what you can do when you like them, you write a review. That'll help us out a lot. You give us a rating. We can help you. You can help us. Get that done. Do it right now. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 